There are two books which are the perfect medicine for the present time, Voltaire's Candide and Fielding's Jonathan Wild. They deal with our kind of news, but with this advantage over contemporary literature. The news is already absorbed, assumed, and digested. We see our situation at a manageable remove. This is an important consolation, and, on the whole, Jonathan Wilde is the more specific because the narrower and more trenchant book. Who, if not ourselves, are the victims of what are called great men? Who can better jump to the hint that the prig or cut-purse of Newgate and the swashbuckler of Berchtesgaden are the same kind of man, and that Caesar and Alexander were morally indistinguishable from the gang-leaders, sharpers, murderers, pickpockets from whom Mr. Justice Fielding in later years was to free the city of London? Europe has been in the hands of megalomaniacs for two decades. Tyranny abroad, corruption at home, that recurrent theme of the eighteenth-century satirists who were confronted by absolute monarchy and the hunt for places, is our own. Who are we but the good, with a small middle-class G, and who are they but the self-elected leaders and the great? And Jonathan Wilde has the attraction of a great tour de force, which does not shatter us because it remains, for all its realism, on the intellectual plane. Where Swift, in contempt, sweeps us out of the very stables, where Voltaire advises us not to look beyond our allotments upon the wilderness humanity has left everywhere on a once festive earth, Fielding is ruthless only to the brain. Our heads are scalped by him, but soul and body are left alive. He is arbitrary, but not destructive. His argument that there is an incompatibility between greatness and goodness is an impossible one, but of the eighteenth century's three scourges of mankind, he is the least egotistical and the most moral. He has not destroyed the world, he has merely turned it upside down, as a polished dramatist will force a play out of a paradox. Contradicting the obsolete doctrines of a set of simple fellows called, in derision, sages or philosophers, who have endeavoured as much as possible to confound the ideas of greatness and goodness, whereas no two things can possibly be more distinct from each other. For greatness consists in bringing all manner of mischief on mankind, and goodness in removing it from them. Jonathan Wilde is a paradox, sustained with, perhaps the strain, but above all with the decisiveness, flexibility, and exhilaration of a scorching trumpet call, which does not falter for one moment, and even dares very decorative and difficult variations on the way to its assured conclusion. When we first read satire, we are aware of reading against the whole current of our beliefs and wishes, and until we have learned that satire is anger laughing at its own futility, we find ourselves protesting and arguing silently against the author. This we do less, I think, in reading Jonathan Wilde than with Candide or Gulliver. If there is any exhaustion in Jonathan Wilde, it does not come from the tussle of our morality with his. There is no moral weariness. If we tire, it is because of the intellectual effort of reversing the words great and good as the eye goes over the page. Otherwise, it is a young man's book, very vain of its assumptions and driven on with masterly nonchalance.